HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And this show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what, what exactly are they? Japanese food is it's still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Michael Holland-Tokel, who has a truly interesting background. First, uh, he used to be an aspiring chef, and that's why one of the reasons, uh, that is one of the reasons why he's so successful as a photo- photographer who has captured many important scenes in famous kitchens across the country. And he has multiple beautiful cookbooks that he put, uh, published with uh, prominent chefs as well. And also he's the host of Heritage Radio Network's The Food Scene, which he brings together um, guests working at the intersection of food, art, and design. And Michael is one of the organizers of Sumo Stew, which is a unique viewing party of Sumo tournaments. And he joined me on episode 74 with Harry Rosenblum to talk about it. And most recently, Michael became the author of his first solo book, Acid Trip, Troubles in the World of Vinegar, from uh, Abrams, which came out last year. And vinegar is so important in many ways, including pickling, baking, braising in cocktails and so forth, but it's not well talked about. Um, I don't think it's enough. So in his book, he features five countries that produce a unique style of vinegar, and Japan is one of them. So today we'll discuss the, the profound world of vinegar, in particular Japanese vinegars. 
Um, but quickly b- before we start, uh, Japan Eats is available on Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subs- uh, subscribe to Japan Eats. And please write a review. We really, really pe- appreciate your feedback. And also, if you have a- any ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. And you can email us at japaneats at heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatema.com. Now let's uh, start our conversation with Michael Hall in Tokyo. Hello, Michael. How are you doing? So, um, so first of all, um, why did you get into vinegar? <laughs> I'm not sure I can actually pinpoint that. I've always had an acidic palate, and my wife is a wine writer, mm. so we've had a lot of bottles of wine open, but they usually get drank. So it was actually a, a condition of having too much beer at a party and... <laughs> Filling up a barrel in the backyard with the leftover keg, and it kind of overwintered. I think I did it right after Thanksgiving. And six months later, I opened up that barrel, which just had regular beer in it. And when I did, this waft of, of vinegar kind of came out, and I'm daring enough to have tasted it. And it was the best beer vinegar or malt vinegar I ever had in my life. Mm. So I spent a couple years trying to deconstruct that idea. You know, even when I cooked, I had a very acidic palate. And Chefs will always tell you, yes, salt to taste, but if a dish is missing something, it's usually acidity. Mm, interesting. And I think the key word is the barrel, which allows air circulation. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about uh, the yeah. processes <laughs> later. So, okay. And uh, actually, I think uh, many chefs started to create their own vinegars. And I one time, I think it was almost uh, seven, eight years ago, I visited uh, uh, Jonathan Thoyer, uh, yes. Thoyer of uh, you know, Cleveland, uh, the, the, the Greenhouse Tavern. And uh, they are they have bottles of vinegar. Yes. Up. I mean, his basement was just filled with it. I mean, and it's good to have a cellar uh, instead of wine of vinegar like right. he did. <laughs> but actually, uh, I disagree in that. I think a lot fewer chefs are making vinegars than uh, I ever expected. Really? Yes. I mean, with everything that's made in-house at restaurants, vinegar is one of those things that isn't... Uh, um, I mean, it is forgiving, but it doesn't happen so instantaneously. You know, it mm. is a longer fermentation, even longer than most lactic. So to have someone dedicated to that for, you know, six months to a year mm. um, is, is very kind of burdensome for a restaurant to even invest in. Because you also need not just time, but space to be able to store it. Interesting. Because I, I heard that many chefs starts to, I mean, many of few chefs who yes, make vinegar. Yes. Um, Starts making vinegar because there's expensive wine left over from Absolutely. the guest, and then leaves like, oh, that was a really low yeah. cost, but it's not low cost because of labor and the real exactly. estate. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so now uh, there are a million types of vinegars in the world, but what is vinegar by definition? It's a well in the U.S. It's four to six percent acetic acid in solution, and that solution's water. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a low grade acid in water. So that's why you feel that tingle, but it's not too caustic. Uh, Once you get past like 8 or 10%, it becomes a little stronger and not really digestible. Mm. Um, It can go, obviously, all the way up to 100% acetic acid. You rarely see that outside of laboratories. Uh, Mm. Sometimes in hospitals, it's used as a cauterizing agent to, you know, clean (laughs) wounds and stop blood. But, you know, uh, as far as the culinary sense go, it's a very small percentage of acetic acid. Mm, okay. And we kind of approved that it's uh, healthy for you, too. (laughs) Uh, We could talk about that out (laughs) there, you know. (laughs) I, I think on both sides, it, 
if you take a shot of apple cider vinegar in the morning and you enjoy it and you feel like it does good things for you, continue to do that. If you hate it and you don't feel like it does, stop. That's the best I can tell about the mm. you know, health aspects. But I could not find enough conclusive evidence to write about those specifics in this book. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So uh, what ingredients do you need to make vinegar? You need... Let's work backwards like I did. Uh, vinegar has to be an alcohol before. Mm. So acetobacter, the, the bacteria that converts ethyl alcohol into vinegar. Mm. Um, prior to alcohol, you need sugar because sugar turns into alcohol. Prior to sugar, it can be a starch. Mm. So anything that's a starch that can convert into a sugar mm-hmm. that can turn into an alcohol can be a vinegar. Mm. Also, so, the, it's a direct sugar. can be fruits. Yes. Because there's no need for conversion. Absolutely. Mm. So you can make vinegar basically from most everything <laughs> right? yeah i walk around green markets and supermarkets now and I'm, i can make vinegar out of that i can make vinegar out of that wow yeah. interesting all right so um so how do you make vinegar like you know you, you briefly went backwards but yeah. step by step from the beginning like quickly uh, a lot of it is just patience it's having the right conditions too so if you are making your own alcohol, you have to make it at a certain percentage, so ABV, um, alcohol, you know, by volume. Um, if you're... Do you know minimum alcohol that requires... To be made into vinegar? Mm. Well, there, there's kind of a conversion. Uh, you get about 80%. So whatever your ABV is, it's about 80% um, when you convert it to acetic acid. Mm. So you have to start with a slightly higher ABV than you want percentage acidity. Mm-hmm. And if you move backwards, you know, for sugar, you need a certain bricks or amount of sugar mm-hmm. um, in your solution to be able to get to that ABV, to be able to, you know, get to that percentage acidity. So it's a lot of kind of bookends. Mm. Um, so I kind of give, there's one master recipe in the book, how to make vinegar from any starch, sugar, or alcohol. Mm. Um, and really, you have to just live within these bookends and kind of like choose your controls and variables and edge it along. But really, the the, the biggest thing is time and patience mm. and being able to kind of change the path of where it's going when you need it to go a different direction. Right. So okay. it doesn't take much at all. It's a very low equipment, mm. uh, uh, you know, analog thing to make. Right. So in other words, it's, you said you the beer. Yes. The beer can be the basic one. Maybe yeah. not kombucha. It's like too low. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, anything. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, so uh, what can vinegar do in your kitchen? Uh, pickling is obvious one, but what else? I mean, what can't it do? Uh, cleaning, of course, but I relegate <laughs> white distilled for that because I would never use that in cooking. Um, I mean, look at a menu from appetizers to salads to, you know, main entrees to desserts to cocktails. You can uh, add a little bit at the beginning and it evaporates. You can add it during the process and it kind of spreads the flavor. You can add it at the end to glaze a pan, mm-hmm. pick up all that fond, all that great Maillard that's, you know, of roasted meats that attach itself to the pan and make a pan sauce out of that. You can drizzle a little afterwards for an accent of acidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there is not much limitation. It's just a matter of having a deft hand of using it because... Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, it is an acid. Even though it's a low-grade acid, it's powerful. You do right. not need much to make an effect. Mm. I was curious, though, like, you know, uh, in your book, actually, you mentioned baking and braising. So chemically, what, what happens in uh, the food? 
Well, in braising, it breaks down the protein. So it's going to denature meats. Mm. So a lot of marinades that have vinegar in it make a meat more tender. And the longer you braise it, it breaks down those proteins as well. Mm. That means the mummy elements Absolutely, increase, yeah, right? yeah. So it definitely brings out a lot of glutamic acids as well. Um, in baking... It, ha- it it has some use. It's 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 kind of like in winemaking and baking. You don't necessarily want that acetic flavor, that profile. Mm-hmm. But you can make a faux levain, like a fake starter for like Irish soda breads. Because oh. you ever see that experiment where you mix like an acid with a baking soda and mm. it kind of bubbles. And right, right. So that interaction will create gas. Uh, so it will help leaven a certain bread. I've never tried that. Yeah, yeah. Right. But you have to be a little bit. Oh, yes, like. yes. Again, <laughs> it's an acid and it's pretty volatile. Mm. Okay. And uh, so there are many different types of vinegars in the world. I don't know. It's countless, right? But uh, so what kind of vinegars did you decide to feature in your book? As many as I could find. <laughs> because I did want to show, it's called Travels in the World of Vinegar, because I wanted to show that there was a whole world out there, yeah. you know, that there was kind of unlimited resources to make vinegar from, not just what we think of as our staples in our supermarkets, which are usually white wine, red wine, apple cider, and maybe white distilled, mm. and rice vinegar, of course, as well. But I've seen vinegars made from purple sweet potatoes. I've mm. seen vinegars made from bananas. Wow. I mean, I've seen the spectrum of vinegars now. Wow. And uh, that makes you happy. That's the title. As yes, trip. yes. <laughs> Everyone seemed to get the joke around the world, so it's stuck. <laughs> right. Um, so let's talk about the Japanese vinegar. So uh, what types of vinegars are popular in Japan? Rice vinegar, mm. first and foremost. And the reason I went to Japan isn't just because I love and appreciate the food and culture. is because I knew it was rice vinegar, and it was a singular thing but that there were certain categories of it that I could explore as well. And with those categories, they were either regional or historical. Mm. So rice vinegar is such a big, broad umbrella term (laughs) until you get to Japan and realize how many different types of rice vinegar and rice grains and specific uses for those there are. Mm. Which I think I should learn from you. (laughs) Because rice is really like uh, the staple staple. Of anything in Japanese, right? Like yeah. any condiments fermented into something from rice. So vinegar is not an exception. So um, so they think basically you said rice vinegar. Yes. But uh, are there many different kinds of rice that differentiates the flavor? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at sake. Mm. I mean, you have such a broad spectrum of flavors in sake. Why can't you have then rice vinegar? Mm. Um, because rice vinegar is made from sake. So there was this one guy, not to jump ahead into producers, but named Io Jozo, and he's about three and a half hours north of Kyoto in Miyazu. And he's one of the only ones I found that grew his own rice to make his own sake, to make Mm. his own rice vinegar. And it was exemplary, not just because of the product that he had at the base, which was his own rice, but he had control throughout the whole process. And that really gave it such an expression, Mm. such a kind of... uh, different nuance than any of the other rice vinegars I had tasted in Japan. Mm, actually, um, the, does a chidorisu from Yojozo? Oh, no, chidorisu is from Kyoto. Oh, that's yeah. so sorry. Oh, that's the, the Yojozo. Yeah. Uh, that's a, what's actually chidorisu? Yeah. Actually, uh, the episode 94, uh, the Chris Bonomo of Japanese Oh, yes, Japanese, oh, Japanese country, pantry, yes. He, he came and talked about it. I was so impressed. And he gave me a sample. That was the best vinegar I've ever tasted it's, in my whole life. It's absurd. And I, I love that the Japanese pantry, JapanesePantry.com, <laughs> imports this vinegar because 
it can show you how good rice vinegar can be. Because, mm. yes, there's um, Ms. Khan, Maru Khan, you know, very uh, kind of big conglomeracies of vinegar in this country. And so we only see kind of a limited range of that. But again, we're seeing more and more beautiful sakes and shochus mm. and, you know, misos and other rice-based things. I think we can start seeing really great rice vinegars in mm. the U.S. as well. Right. Yeah. So I think that this American market, increasing knowledge of an interest in Japanese product, and they're supporting traditional producers now. Yes. So listeners, please <laughs> yes. eat more food and drink a Japanese sake and show to everything. Right. Okay. So, uh, so in the book, um, you have uh, wine vinegar from France and balsamic vinegar from Italy and the Japanese komesu and, you know, so many things. But um, what's uniqueness, unique about Japanese rice, going back to original, that's the rice vinegar. And uh, I think they have, like, you know, polished rice and the whole rice vinegar. Yes. And uh, so the the latter is called the kurosu, right? That's a big deal. Yeah. So what is kurosu? Well, kurosu is something... In it of itself, like it, it, it's a completely different category because it's more directly related to like Qing Kang black vinegar of China, um, which isn't always made from rice, can be made from barley and mm. you know other grains, but it's this really kind of deep and dank and funky. It's kind of like the natural wine of vinegars because it, it's made of three ingredients and three ingredients only this highly polished rice, mm. um, usually fresh spring water and then floating goji. Mm. Um, and it's made in the Kyushu province. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a uh, whole, gr- whole ri- uh, grain rice. No, oh yes. Whole, sorry. Right, yes. Right. Whole grain rice. Um, because of that, that funkiness outside yeah. makes it, uh, so it steams and that kind of breaks down the polyphenols of mm. it. Uh, it's made mainly in Kyushu, in Kagoshima and Kirishima City area. And it's put in these kind of black ceramic jars mm. uh, and left out in the sun covered to ferment. And that is it. I mean, that's wow. that's the whole process. Wow. So the, the acid in the air jumps into that tsubo yeah. pot. Well, the, the oxygen in the air right. kind of permeates. Mm. You know, the, the cover slightly offset. So mm-hmm. there is a little bit of airflow because okay. that's one of the things you have to do for vinegar. You have to control the amount of oxygen because mm. if you have too much, then it kind of evaporates too quickly and converts too quickly. Okay. If you don't have enough, it suffocates and dies. So mm. you have to kind of regulate the amount that it's breathing. Oh, wow. So that pot shape is like closer mouth so that it can control the air? No, actually the pot shape is pretty wide mouth, but just offsetting that cover a little bit. And the amazing thing, so vinegar is a very, very slow process, and it's very boring to show people how to make it, (laughs) unless they have six months to sit with me, and actually uh, a time-lapse video might be best. (laughs) But the one wonderful thing about the kurotsu, or this black vinegar, is that you can hear it. Like, there's a point where it's kind of bubbling away, and they actually use uh, a lot more senses than just taste and smell. Mm. They lean over, and they kind of listen for that rice crispy snap, crackle, and pop. Wow. And then they take a little bit of a a bamboo stick that most of uh, the workers have and just stir it up a little bit. Mm. And that's as analog as it gets. I mean, they do have scientific laboratory, and they test certain levels of, you know, acid, et cetera. But, you know, they, they can hear and react to this. Uh, because it's more active? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, the well, this is a basic vinegar question. But as far as I understand it, vinegar is made of acetic acid. Yes. And it can be something else, but probably, like, you know, acetic acid in the air. 
naturally creates like you know beer yeah. barrel. Yeah. That's the chemical. Yeah, reaction. it's indigenous. I mean, th- there's this idea of using mothers or starting cultures to inoculate uh, an alcohol and then turn it into vinegar. Mm. You can do that, but it's not necessary. And sometimes it hyper accelerates this process. Um, it's happened, you know, it's naturally occurring, mm. you know, th- this kind of acetobacter in the air. So it's a matter of creating this condition to capture it. Right. And that's the right amount of sugar you know, into the right amount of alcohol, mm. uh, holding it at the right temperature for the right amount of time. Right. So it, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a putting a trap out there for acetic acid, uh, for <laughs> acetobacter to come to, like right. a bear trap or you know that golden idol in Indiana Jones, and they <laughs> want to snatch it away, and they get caught, right. and they get caught, and then they start working away on the solution that's there and converting it from alcohol into right. vinegar. Huh, interesting. So maybe the key is maybe not the patience because I'm not patient so yeah. much that <laughs> I just forget about it, but there's a trap over there. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So um, I'd like you to talk about uh, that, you know, the specific area, Kirishima in, you know, Kyushu, Kagoshima, and that where the pots, it's like, there's so many, like 50, 52,000, yeah. Oh, pots, like, line up. Yeah, and that was just at one brewery. That was just at Sakamoto Kurotsu. Mm. And there are um, dozens of breweries there now. Uh, Sakamoto Kurotsu started about 200 years ago. Mm. They've been making it in the same way. There are a lot of other uh, breweries. I also visited Kakuida. And they do it in the same way. Put, you know, these three elements in a subo and just leave it out in the sun. But aside from, you know, the acetobacter kind of naturally occurring in the air, there is this thing across the bay, um, and it is bubbling away in the same way that the vinegar is, and that's Mm. Sakurajima, which is the second largest active volcano in Japan. And there is this kind of sense in the air. There's this power you know, sitting not too far away from that, that I feel like that contributes to like mm. the nature and, and, and kind of flavor profile of this vinegar because it it feels and tastes so alive. Interesting. Because uh, Stephen Lyman, who came on the show last week, he talked about shochu. Yeah. He's from the same area. Yes. So that volcano really affects the taste of everything grown in that I area. I believe it. I was in a hotel on a high floor looking out the window and seeing it kind of puff away. And... You don't know. I mean, it actually has small explosions every day, supposedly. Mm. And it just, it's, it's, you're in awe of something so powerful, kind of being so cool, you know, right. being, <laughs> being so like tempered and at any point it can explode. It's, mm. it's a really interesting, you know, sight to be in, in witness of. Right. Okay. Um, all right. So the, that, those are traditional ceramic jars, right? From yep. that area. So that's why everybody's using the same. Correct. Okay. Um, so how, you know, that ceramic jar affect the flavor? It's, it has to be something special to the vinegar flavor, right? Yeah. You know, ceramic and glass, ceramics though made from certain clays, I don't feel like they give off that much flavor, like a barrel would. Mm-hmm. They are permeable. Um, not completely, but you know, a little bit of air can get through because they are slightly porous. Uh, so I think they give a much more linear, like sharper flavor mm. than say aging in wood, which is a lot of rounder and softer glass is very, very straightforward because it doesn't breathe well other right. than the, you know, opening at the top or on the side. Mm. Um, so the uniqueness of clay, I think is just, um, mainly based on kind of the airflow or shape or nature of how mm. a convection current happens within it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say it's attributed to the, you know, actual, material of the jar itself mm. i just think it's the condition that it's in 
Okay. Well, one thing I, well, I read um, says that, you know, in the process of making it, they sprinkle koji. Yes. And then at that moment, um, their bacteria, that's, uh, you know, anaerobic bacteria that's growing. Yeah. And then once the surface is gone, now the aerobic bacteria started to grow. So it's like both are living in the same pot. Yes. And that's why it has a unique mild flavor. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, because it's actually sacrificing and acidifying at the same time. Mm. So it's never really yielding that much alcohol, if any, um, because those two forces are competing at the same time, ah. like you said. So it is getting converting that sugar into alcohol, but then the second it gets converted in alcohol, it gets converted into acetobacter. Mm. So it has less the profile of the alcohol and more the inherent profile of the raw ingredients mm. and then all the funkiness that happens afterwards. Interesting. Yeah. Right. It's kind of a wild, yeah, it's a microcosm of everything at once. <laughs> right. So, um, so they compared to uh, regular uh, rice vinegar, how do you describe taste different taste in different of the taste <laughs> in between the two? Well, uh, komizu or regular rice vinegar, if you want to call it that, is very clean. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it's a little bit lighter than white wine vinegar, so you're usually closer to the four or five percent acidity level mm-hmm. rather than you know the five to six to seven. So it's softer on the palate. Um, it's not really that expressive. Like, sh- you know, sakes will have floral notes and will have melon notes. Uh, most komazu is pretty standard. Like, it has the, the, the sensation and the mouthfeel more than it does the flavor. Mm. So it has the acidity, but it doesn't really have much character after right, It's that. more like a background. Yes. Right. And that's how most komazu or rice vinegar is used in Japan. Mm. And that, that was the most fascinating thing. I went there trying to find these shokunin, you know, these master craftsmen of, of, of vinegar who have been doing it for generations and wanted to taste how expressive everything was. And it wasn't until I was getting into some of these more eccentric or esoteric ones like the kurotsu we just talked about and akasu, which we'll talk about shortly, mm. that I really saw different styles of vinegar. Everything mm. kind of was within these kind of latitudes. Okay. So so kurotsu sounds like just like a thicker flavor and yes. how do you use it <laughs> it's a funny thing because i don't know if most kurotsu makers know either because <laughs> the majority again it comes from like a chinese shinto you know background so it makes more sense in that kind of cuisine than it does of kyushu mm. uh, i mean it satsumage tastes pretty good dipped into a little bit of kurotsu mm-hmm. but a lot of it's drank. It's a potable. You know, it's made as uh, sports drinks. It's made as like nerve tonics or healthy and restorative mm. things. You go to a lot of these breweries and they have tours now and you can taste the spectrum of products that they make with this black vinegar and it's all promoting health and restorative qualities. But then you don't find it much in food. Mm. Uh, but it, speaking of just yeah. that, in 2003, I think around 2003, there's a big boom of closer for drinking. Just yes. Like you just described for health benefit. Yeah. So I, th- I think like some stores, uh, shelves, uh, all the clothes is gone and the kind of yeah. craziness happened. And still it's going. The popularity is oh still going. Oh my God, there are caravans of people coming there. It's like Disneyland. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> all for Kurozu. But, you know, you also have wonderful black pig down there. The Kurabata is just stunning. And mm. it really, we talked about braising. I mean, braise some Kurabata out with some kurozu it's it's pretty stunning stuff mm, kurobuta kuro, uh, pork yeah. and then kurozu oh yeah. my god and then just doing drink shows yeah. with that. But, <laughs> the ma- but the majority of uh, food I had in Kyushu or in Kagoshima and Kirishima was actually Chinese food because mm. most of the breweries actually have a Chinese restaurant 
as well as a traditional Japanese one. And you find more kurozu applications in the Chinese cuisine. Interesting. Why that makes sense? Yeah. I, mm, interesting. Okay. Um, so, and also, so I interrupted you. So, other than just drinking, you can just do use it for as regular white pin. Uh, Vinegar, I, yeah, or? I wouldn't swap it out because, like we were discussing before, it's a very distinct flavor. It's mm. it's it's kind of soupy, you know. It's kind of almost primordial because it's got that funk and it's got so mm. much going on that a lot of softer rice vinegars are used as a backbone, mm. um, used to supplement other flavors or used to kind of create structure, you know, right. on whatever sauce or marinade, where kurozu can be its own thing because mm. it's enough of a presence. Wow. So maybe you can braise uh, short ribs or Oh, something. absolutely. That would be one. I think the kind of darker and danker the meat, the better it is for using kurozu for. Wow. Maybe it's a, um, you know, like a based barbecue. Oh, yes. That would be amazing. Mm. Well, th- one way I actually had it, which was kind of outside of the box, was uh, Ringo Kurozu Maruku, which was literally taking a little bit of the kurozu, um, some apple juice and some milk and mixing them all together to mm. kind of make like a quick smoothie slash yogurt drink. Mm. And it was delicious. Wow. So that they have two, three different kinds of uh, acids, right? Yes. So lactic and uh, the acetic. Yep. And uh, what's, what's the other one? The uh, apple. I got citric. Yeah. It's well, not I don't citric, know. I no, only know my I acetic forgot. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's like, a, that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. So, and then you can just mix equal amount? And no, it's... it's oh, the kurozu is just a little... Yeah, much less kurozu, like a shot of kurozu to like uh, half a glass of apple juice to half a glass of milk. You mm. know, I have proportions in the book and you can kind of play around with them. But okay. it's it's to kind of like slightly coagulate the milk so it turns into this velvety yogurt drink uh, and then flavor it with the kurozu and apple. I will try that. Yes, it's lovely. Cool, so it's in the book. Yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk about Michael's uh, unique conversations with vinegar makers in Japan. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American, and that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats, broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Michael Holland-Tokel, Tokel, is a culinary photographer and author of 
acid trip travels in the world of vinegar from Abrams, uh, which came came out last year. So uh, during the break, we're talking about you didn't expect that Japan is technically the biggest chapter in the book. So so it sounds like you met a lot of interesting people. Yes, right. very many. Yeah, so uh, maybe you can just give us some examples of good conversations. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the legend of Uchiburi. There's this guy mm. who I've been told about by a few people who calls himself a sommelier, because su is, you know, vinegar, vinegar. in Japanese, <laughs> so it's a play on sommelier. Um, but he is kind of the vinegar king there. Mm. And What's interesting about him is that vinegar has been a part of his family for four generations. Mm. And though their brewery is located in Gifu and they've been making komazu, you know, regular rice vinegar for so long, it's only in the last decade or so um, that he has become a celebrity within Japan itself for creating this culture of drinking vinegars. Mm. And he has two lines. uh, One's called Oak's Heart, and that's in um, uh, one department store, uh, Takashi. Takashiyama. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has another one uh, store called Osuya, which is in the Mitsukoshis. Mm, and like two prominent department yeah, stores. Yeah, and they're in many of them. They're not in single ones. They're right. all over the place. But they are literally vinegar drinking bars. He actually has an wow. espresso bar uh, <laughs> in Tokyo Station where people line up and get a shot of vinegar in the morning. Really? Yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's amazing. But what these drinking vinegars are slightly sweetened and fortified vinegars. So you still get the acetic acid. You get these beautiful flavors because he's using ingredients like uh, um, apples, uh, but like not just any apple, like Yoko Ono's apple, you know, like <laughs> these really beautiful apples, uh, yuzu, um, you know, whatever other fresh citrus and produce that they have around and converting them into these very palatable and kind of rejuvenating uh, mm. tinctures and tonics. Right. So people stop by there literally just for a quick shot and then go to work or buy a little bottle. Uh, Osuya also sells these dessert vinegars, mm. which have a little more sugar to them, but they can be used by pouring it over ice cream or floating an apple vinegar on a light beer is, is mm. kind of an extraordinary way of using it. Yeah, actually, you, you looked up the the fruit vinegar. They have like a pineapple, passion fruit, mango mixed in, and then <laughs> yeah. a of vinegar. Right. But personally, though, I sometimes I want to eat salad and I taste vinegar and it's cold day. I mean... Sometimes I feel like eating salad in the cold day, but then I have a sip, a little sip of vinegar. My body temperature feels like goes up. So that's like activation of your it does. cells. Yeah, it does. Of saliva, um, you know, of your blood, of blood flow. It does a lot of those things of your digestive system. Mm. It definitely, I can't say for all people it does this, but for many it does. Mm. It kind of, uh, it, it's a palate cleanser of course you know will wash away with acidity but really it's a palate and livener and i think it's an enlivener of the whole body mm. of the nervous system it really gets you ready for a meal right so the espress espress bar espresso bar right? yeah. it should be more here <laughs> yeah, too absolutely right rather than just coffee and have a crash later yeah right okay um so so that guy is the game changer of vinegar industry because yeah. from background condiment seasoning to drinkable, interesting, fun, stylish thing. Yeah, absolutely. And his brother still makes the more kind of commodity vinegar, but he is the celebrity of this drinking vinegar world. Mm, So it's uh, Uchibori Jozo. That's the name. Okay. And uh, who else did you? (laughs) Uh, Again, there were so many, but we were talking before the show about Akasu. Mm -hmm. And 
I think there are three types of rice vinegar in Japan, and there's the komazu, the more standard, ubiquitous one, which is the rice vinegar we see mainly on the shelves here. But let me put a disclaimer in, because the majority of rice vinegars we see in the U.S. often have seasonings in them. So it's mm. not just a rice vinegar. It usually has some sugar or salt or mm. even spices. Or it, if it's considered a sushi rice vinegar, it's usually already seasoned for sushi. So you're not getting rice vinegar or right. komazu. Mm. Uh, most people in Japan will buy a rice vinegar, a komazu, and season it themselves right. to their liking, to their mm. specifications. Well, actually, many sushi chefs have mm. special contract with vinegar yes. makers to have the blend, the house yeah. blend. Of and that's vinegar. what happened with akasu, uh, kara, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of like your own personal mm. blend or your spirit. Right. Um, akasu is this wild vinegar that Aka means red. Yes. Right? And so it's vinegar. But I only found out about it by going to a sushi bar, um, Sato-san, uh, at Sushi Tokayama. Uh, Tokami, sorry. Tokami in Tokyo. Yes. He does not work there anymore. He's opening up his own places. Mm. But people kept on saying, oh, go see him because he has this really, really assertive vinegar blend in his rice. Because hmm. to make sushi rice, you steam the rice. And then you pour a whole bunch of vinegar on top, rice vinegar, um, to not only flavor it, but stop the cooking process and kind of like create a sheen on the exterior mm. of the rice. So it looks like what we see in, in you know, cookbooks, et cetera, or right. in restaurants in Japan. Um, but akasu is dark. I mean, it's darker than korotsu black vinegar. This red vinegar is is not opaque at all mm. because it's actually made from all the sake leaves or maromi that happens after the sake brewing process. Mm. And they take that, they usually age that in wood boxes, sometimes hanoki, uh, until it turns jet black and it kind of cakes really hard and then press in these giant machines to get mm. the drippings of that stuff out. And it's this really, really dark colored mm. and extremely like tasty and potent. It's, it tastes like Rice vinegar and soy sauce, like the mixture oh. of it, because it has so much umami glutamic acid to it, too. Mm. Um, but this was the primary vinegar of Japan prior to, like, the 1860s. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, well, it's interesting. You know, anything on these, in my opinion, yeah. it's tastier. Yes. And uh, so this is sake kasu mm-hmm. based vinegar. Um, so the takegas has a lot of amino acid. Yes. So it converts, um, it's a starch in, and then I heard it takes a lot, lot longer to convert the starch to sugar. Yeah. I mean, taking the maromi takes about, uh, the, the brewery I visited in Tokyo, Yokai, mm. Y-O-K-O-I, I think it was seven years mm. for them to actually press those cakes to actually make their akasu. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, and I heard uh, that process of, uh, you know, conversion includes a mylard effect. So the color turns to be browner and yes. darker and then this is tasty. Right. Yeah. Mm. But it does have that brown flavor. Mm. I forget who just wrote an article about that brown flavor, mm. but that's something that we've talked about as, you know, mylard or crispiness or, but that actually may be its own flavor profile. And mm. I feel Akasu the same way. I had never tasted anything like it until I tasted it for the first wow. time. So was it different uh, sushi rice flavor? Yeah. Well, the first question I asked, and I felt like such a, such an, uh, you know, layman is, he put a piece of rice in front of me and I said, oh, is this brown rice? And he said, no, it's just flavored <laughs> with akasu wow. because akasu is so dark that it colored the rice to a point where I didn't know it was white anymore. Really? So he's taking akasu and komazu and making a blend to his you know, specific uh, likings and then using that to flavor his rice. But mm. going back in history, 
I'd said that Akasu was the primary vinegar of Japan before the 1860s because all that good rice vinegar went to somebody who could afford it and all Mm. the leftover stuff that was aged and then pressed went to the poor. So you can kind of look at historical documents and this is also pre-industrialization so there's no refrigeration. Most fish was preserved in a way as was rice. Mm. So you go down to Kyoto and you see hako like bak sushi. It was usually steeped in these dark akasu vinegars. So, I mean, even the fish and the rice were darkly colored. Mm. And you can see in black and white photographs that they are dark. They are not light. So I'm assuming that they're using akasu in those photos. But the flavor is so much more pronounced than komazu. Mm. And so to taste it for the first time, it was unlike any sushi I ever had in my life. But it was for mainly tuna and kohara. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're kind of oilier, you know, stronger okay. uh, smelling and tasting fishes. Right. So it was a good foil for that. It's not for everything, mm. but it was perfect for like Maguro. Not like Hirameo type. Yes, it's gonna be overwhelmed. Mm. But it's, it's interesting, like, like nobles and emperors, those people oh, yeah. are eating uh, now. It's the whole lower people's food. <laughs> well, then the crazy thing is, you know, Edome Suji, all the Tokyo-based sushi that started happening in the late 1800s uh, was fresh because there was refrigeration, industrialization that can keep that from Mm. spoiling. And then this little company called Kikoman started making soy sauce and that ended up on the table. And Mm. Akasu, which is a very similar flavor profile, um, much longer to make and much more expensive, Mm. kind of fell out of favor because Ah. they had something that already had the flavor and, uh, you know, could dye your... uh, fish and rice a certain color so mm. and that kind of took over and akasu wasn't necessary anymore right. oh that's so sad yeah right. i hope uh, there's more more akasu companies still me too right yeah because i i think it, because it takes time to make it's more expensive so that's why users are fewer right so i have to find out more akasu serving sushi places yeah actually io jozo also makes an akasu in japanesepantry.com okay. imported into the u.s mm. Um, but there are few and far between uh, uh, akasus available in the U.S. right now. Mm. And there aren't many in Japan. I, we have to support them. Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, who else? Like maybe chefs? Oh, well, you were just recently, what, in Kyoto interviewing uh, Nakamura-san. Yes. Um, and you could probably explain how important a figure he is to Kyo Ryori and Kaiseki cuisine mm. in Kyoto. But I didn't know walking in. I actually had an appointment with another chef who canceled and said, go see my friend Nakamura. He's a nice guy. Mm. So Nakamura is a great restaurant. And uh, it's a three-star three Michelin. And one of the best Kyoto Kaiseki restaurants. And there's like, you know, there's a huge group of uh, Kaiseki chefs top of them. And he's always um, well-respected. And his food is amazing. So, yeah. So anyway, so you, you spoke to him. Yeah, I went there because I wanted to talk about kaiseki um, in the vein that when you go to an izakaya, you can order a la carte. So you can kind of order at your will and a dish is made to taste great as it is, you know, and it's balanced in its own way. But when you're going through kaiseki, it's a progression of dishes. So you or the chef has so much more control how they deliver that experience. Mm. And acidity is important for the beginning of a meal, again, to like kind of enliven your palate. But it's, it's, it's important throughout. 
And like, how do you deliver something that can be volatile mm. in smart and subtle ways? And I think there was no one better to talk to than Nakamura. Mm. Um, you know, and it was slight pickling applications or little drops at the end here and there. But how to make that expressive without being overwhelming is pretty much the, the mantra of how to use vinegar in Japan. Mm. Right. So the, what's the sequence, though? Like, he, did he have a rule to... Well, you know, Kaiseki is in three parts. It's, uh, you know, the five flavors, it's the five colors, and the five cooking techniques. Mm-hmm. So he obviously abided by those and didn't mm-hmm. really stray away from that. Um, but, yeah, yeah. but um, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ichigo. Ichigo Ichie. He kept on repeating this phrase to me, and then, like, what does that mean? And it, it's, a, it's a sense of, you know, whatever you have then will exist then never mm. again so appreciate it right so it's just once the opportunity is this time only yeah so just make the most of it and again going back to the beginning of this episode when something's missing in a dish it's usually acidity so if you only have one chance you better have your acidity right mm, interesting wow, that's so true yeah. right there's something missing like that's always it's not salt keep adding salt it really makes it even worse yeah but it's the vinegar that is so true so I'm sure that's a kaiseki. It's from light to, you know, the yeah, heavier. Yeah, well, not really. There's kind of a curve. It's kind of a bell curve. So mm. I think sometimes it's brighter and then it kind of goes a little more subtle and rounder. And then you end with another bright note because mm. you want to come back. You don't want to be kind of, uh. you know, sullen with the amount of food and stuff that you want to leave with your palate still enlivened mm. rather than, you know, in the U.S. I feel like most desserts are so baked or cream-based mm. that your palate's just ruined and you can't really have anything after. Maybe a coffee and that's super bitter. Mm. So to end with a city is kind of a, a nicer way to, you know, still feel this sensation that you felt at the beginning of a meal. Mm. Hey, so that's why I never get so full after Kaiseki meals, yeah. even like the 10 courses. Yeah. Maybe that's the trick. It has great meter to it. Mm. So maybe you can serve espresso too. Yeah. At the end of the last meal. Yeah. Hey. Okay, and uh, maybe, um, you know, there's so many other questions, but uh, um, can you make your own vinegar easily? I I mean, now I can, uh, and I hope (laughs) other people can too. It Mm. takes patience. Um, It takes trials and errors. You know, I believe that you get a cookbook and you make a recipe once and you don't like it, make it again and see if you like it the second time or the Mm. third time. You got to give you got to give more effort than just one and done. And vinegar is kind of one of those things as well. You have to kind of master this craft. Mm. I mean, I've only been making it for a handful of years now, and right. I am nowhere near what these shakunins okay. of generations well, but are. By accident, though, that happened to you, right? So if Initially. I had leftover, say, like, you know, this like nice red wine, I couldn't finish. So what can I do with that? So the good thing about wines is most of them are in this like 10 to 14% ABV, uh, alcohol by volume. um, And that is kind of what you want to convert into acetic acid. Mm. So wine is made uh, almost to be made into vinegar. It's it's the perfect element. And that's why most um, vinegars are from wine-based, you know, alcohols Mm. because it's already brewed to the specifications. That is the perfect environment for acetobacter to thrive. Right. Beers and ciders, a little bit harder because they're lower ABV. Usually you have to add sugar or a neutral spirit to bump it up Mm. to actually get it to those uh, kind of variables to be able to progress in the vinegar. Mm. So 
Wine is often the easiest because it's already set up for success. Right. So it's for beginners. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not always going to work. Mm. You know, you mix wines. Uh, if you have five bottles of red wine and they're not all the same, mm. you know, there's different organisms. It's microbially okay. different in each bottle. Mm. And mixing all those together won't necessarily yield you the best environment to okay. make a vinegar. So, so like, you know, very good quality wine, just leave it yep. patiently. Patiently. And then with the air... In a, in a ball jar with cheesecloth on the top because、mm. you want oxygen. Right. But then there's a point where you don't want it to evaporate too much. And、mm. you usually leave it kind of room temperature.、Mm -hmm. uh, so you want to keep it room temperature until it starts converting into alcohol and then maybe drop the temperature by putting it in the fridge or you know, in a cellar.、Uh, but again, there's one recipe at the end of this book. It's 10 to 12 pages long how to make <laughs> vinegar from any starch, sugar, or alcohol. Right. But it's just a matter of reading that, taking the time to let that soak in, and then、mm. making an attempt to do so. Right. Okay. So I'll definitely try. <laughs> Excellent. And、uh, okay. So do you have any, you know, based on that rest,、uh, the vinegar, whatever you make or you purchase, do you have any good recipes that、uh, listeners can use? Oh, yeah. There are over 100 recipes in the book. And actually, some of my favorites came from Japan. Simple things like nanban. Mm. You know,、uh, which is a multi purpose sauce, marinade, you know, dipping sauce,、um, dressing for salads. But that can be converted into nanbanzuke, which、mm. is this amazing idea of kind of like escabeche, where you fry something and then pickle it.、Mm -hmm. And it came from Kyushu again. It was a kind of brought through the ports of Southwest Japan by Portuguese travelers or、mm -hmm. nanbans. Right. Nanba, like, you know, barbarians. Nan yeah, barbarians yeah. from the South, right? <laughs> But when they were traveling on ships, they kept all their proteins in this vinegary liquid so it wouldn't spoil.、Mm. So that tradition got carried through Japan, and、mm. nanbanzuke was kind of a step further of preserving that thing and、mm. making it into a tasty pickle. Right. And、uh, what about、uh, amazu? Because, like, amazu, amai means sweet,、yeah. right? And the Japanese people tend to put a lot of sugar in savory. So, amazu may be a little interesting application of yeah. vinegar. Well, I think, and I, I don't know empirically, but the, the palate of Japan has also changed in the past hundred years、mm. just because of vinegar kind of being eliminated from a lot of things as well and sugar being introduced.、Mm. So, amazu,、uh, I don't know how far back that sauce goes, but it's Primarily used for, you know, certain, like ayu, some certain fish、mm. at a certain time of, you know, the spring season. But the, the, the sweet and vinegar thing, we see it in the US and shrubs, those kind of colonial style drinks,、mm. just much more palatable to deliver acidity with something sugary.、Mm. Um, right. So it's like the, it's the、um, amazu, it's the vinegar and then sugar and salt, like depends on, yeah, you know. Sometimes a little water to thin it out. Right. It's a very simple sauce to make and it's very delicious.、Um, but, you know, I, I'm a vinegar forward guy. And、yeah. I, though I have that recipe <laughs> in the book,、mm. I like pushing the acidity level a little further. So、mm. I like it being slightly more assertive, like ponzu.、Mm. Ponzu for shabu shabu is such a great kind of side、mm -hmm. uh, or complement to meats because it's cutting through the fat,、mm -hmm. to vegetables that don't have any inherent acidity. So they need that. Right. So, so it's the ponzu, it's the,、uh, the vinegar plus citrus, like、yes. any kinds of citrus. Yeah. So basically, it's not as in your face vinegar. Yes. You don't like vinegar so、exactly. much. And then it's milder, more approachable. Yeah. And it's got great citrus, and that won't oxidize because of the vinegar. So they all play well together.、Mm. Right. 
Okay, so how many recipes you said we have in your book? Like 100? I think easily over 100. Wow. 100 to 100. It's closer to 150, I bet, yeah. Wow. Okay. And it's all, it's, you know, from Italy, from France, from Austria, Japan, and back here in North America. Mm. Well, actually, though, I mean, it's not a joke that the vinegar, people say it's good for your health, right? Like uh, lower your blood blood, um, blood pressure. Yeah. And uh, like lose your weight and then recover your fatigue more quickly. And uh, lower cholesterol, everything. So what's the harm, right? <laughs> good vinegar is good for your health. Mm. So it's a matter of defining what that is. <laughs> and a lot of it is very industrially made. So that's why you should support smaller vinegar makers because they're making it in much better environments with much better base products in mm. much better ways. So it's only that much better for you. Mm. Okay. So upon completing this book, what's... <laughs> What changed? Like, do you have any like wow moments and revelations and everything? <laughs> I know how to use vinegar much more sparingly now. Oh, so I thought at first you kind of have to knock them down with acidity, mm. and now I know the subtleties of it and what vinegars to use when. Because, I mean, at a point I probably had like five hundred bottles of vinegar at the house between mm. what I made and what I collected around the world, and. Everything felt like its own condiment to me, its own ingredient. It had its particularities. It had its idiosyncrasies. So mm. there is no one singular vinegar to use in every recipe. So your pantry should, you know, have more than one. And they should mm. be used for specific things. But I'm not one to say which one you should use for what. Mm. I feel like that's a personal decision. Right. But experiment with different vinegars, swap them out. If you have an apple cider vinegar you usually use in a recipe, try a rice vinegar. If you have mm. a white wine, you know, try an apple cider or sweet and try different producers because right. they all are their own thing. They mm. are all uh, singular. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So I have to discover more yeah. of the world of vinegar. Um, so what's your next project? Oh God. There are so many whirring in my head. Uh, I've been joking that I was going to do a project about base and alkalinity since I've done the acid thing already. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I have some other... I love the single subject deep dive mm. and I love traveling. So I hope to combine that again right. because uh, it's not just a cookbook. It's a travel log. And I think it also speaks to the socio-political and economic values of what something so you know myopic can do mm. within the culinary space and world so it just was such an exciting project to work on i hope to do something in that scope again yeah. soon. you're always inspiring you think about it and then you catch you do it so and the book by the way it's the pictures um by michael yes right. so <laughs> wore a lot of hats and you you really captured the best moment because it, you're not asking photographers to take Thank you. So, yeah, the book is amazing. Thank so, you. okay, so book Acid Trip from Abram. So, uh, where can you find the details and your update? Oh, um, hopefully the books are sold everywhere. If they're not sold at your local independent bookstore, ask them to carry it. Uh, go to vinegarcookbook.com or on Amazon or through Abrams. And my website's harlanturk.com, H A R L A N T U R K.com. But I'm also all over social media, constantly announcing new projects, exciting ideas, and next week's shows on Heritage Radio. <laughs> mm, okay, great. Thank you so much. So uh, hopefully uh, you come back and then talk about some new exciting projects. I, I hope so too. <laughs> okay. So listeners, um, so that book is really, truly deeply informative and fun. So I, I recommend to Thank get you. a copy. Um, as a travel guide, cookbook, and a collection of uh, inspiring life stories.
Right. And uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneeds at heritageradionetwork.org or akikotema.com. And Japan Eats is uh, live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Um, our engineer is David Tatasiore, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.